0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day.
1: In the two years you have worked here, you have broken just about every city ordinance
2: that pertains to this line of work. Well, you can't say we haven't been a lot of laughs. <laughs> oh, pump, pump Got a complaint about banging trash cans on Peace Street at 6 a.m. this morning.
3: You always have to think about
2: this. No, sir. This is the last year we... we throw trash. You said that last year. Yeah, but this year I mean it. You meant it last year. Just think of the garbage business as a way station on the road to Nevada. What was that for? You didn't like it. No, I liked it a lot. Then shut up. This is the, uh, the maximum sentence for murder. I did not murder anyone. You and your stupid pellet gun!
3: Who are those guys? Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez are men at work.
0: Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to do the movie Men at Work from 1990. Now the studio was Triumph Films, which I guess was a subsidiary of Sony Pictures. The release date was August 24, 1990. The running time, 98 minutes. The rating was PG-13. The budget was $9 million, and the box office made back $16.2 million, making it the 73rd-ranked movie of 1990. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 28% rotten from 25 reviews. Normally, I have a Roger Ebert review, but he didn't bother to review it. <laughs> so Vincent Canby from the New York Times reviewed it back in the day. And here's his review. Men at Work, which opened here yesterday, is a good-natured, low-brow farce about two Southern California garbage men who dream of opening their own surf shop. It's also about toxic waste, political corruption, and a dead body with its face hidden behind a Nixon mask and two dumb cops. The movie was written and directed by Emilio Estevez, who also stars in the film with his brother Charlie Sheen. They play garbage men who find the body, which is that of a white city councilman. A black garbage man who also witnesses the discovery says, Oh look, someone's thrown out a perfectly good white boy. That's pretty much the level of humor, which also features some practical jokes in the garbage company's locker room, a couple of automobile chases, and a final free-for-all at the landfill. The movie's desire to please is tireless, also engaging. Mr. Estevez's screenplay is not entirely coherent, but it has a number of comically crackpot lines. It is played with spirit by the two real-life brothers and by the principal members of the supporting cast, Keith David as their partner, Leslie Hope as the pretty young woman who falls in love with Mr. Sheen, and John Goetz. Mr. Goetz is genuinely good as a corrupt businessman who does the best slow burns since dear old Edgar Kennedy. And that's the end of his review. So I love movies like this. I did back then, I do now, and I know it's cliche, but they really don't make goofy, throwaway, pun totally intended, (laughs) comedies like they did in the 1980s and the early 90s, and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the Judd Apatow movies and comedies of today's era, but is it really necessary for a comedy to be over two hours long? No. Uh, give me 90 minutes, and I'm good. Anything else longer, I, I might as well watch The Godfather. You know, the last Avengers movie was three hours long. It's a superhero movie, guys. <laughs> Come on. So I made my mom rent this a lot when it first came out, and the movie's silly, but it cracked me up, and it was mindless entertainment. Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez are fun, but the true star of the movie for me is Keith David. He's the high-strung-about-to-snap-at-any-second supervisor, and every time he's on screen, it's comedy gold, and he's got one of the best voices in Hollywood. All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, you have Charlie Sheen, who plays Carl. At this point, Sheen's career was definitely riding high. In and, and four short years, from 1986 until Men at Work, he had great bit roles and starred in movies like Lucas, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Platoon, Wall Street, Young Guns, Eight Men Out, and Major League. After Men at Work, his body of, of film acting work was definitely more spotty, with his kind of his personal life taking over more than his film and TV career. Emilio Estevez plays James, and this truly is an Emilio Estevez production. Not only does he co-star in the film, but he also wrote and directed the film, as the reviewer said. This was not, though, his directorial debut. That came in 1986 for the movie Wisdom, which co-starred his then-girlfriend, Demi Moore, as they met first on the set of St. Elmo's Fire. He also wrote the screenplay for that film, along with That Was Then, This Was Now, a year earlier. Of course, he was best known for his roles in movies like Repo Man, The Breakfast Club, St. Almost Fire, Stakeout, and Young Guns. Keith David plays Lewis, and, and David is the star of the movie, like I said before. Every line he delivers is brilliant. Without him, the movie, frankly, just wouldn't work at all. His major film debut was in 1982's remake of The Thing from John Carpenter. He then went completely opposite, landing a, a reoccurring role on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as Keith the Handyman. He also appeared in films like Platoon, They Live, Roadhouse, and Always. He's a tremendous character actor who puts his stamp in every film he's in, and he's also one of the best voiceover actors in the business. Leslie Hope plays Susan, and Hope's first break came on the nighttime soap opera, Knots Landing, which was my mom's favorite back in the day. She played Linda Martin and also appeared in Oliver Stone's film, Talk Radio. Men at Work is definitely what I remember her best for, but she continues to work steadily today in a variety of TV roles, including NCIS from 2013 to 2016. All right, let's just get right into the movie. The musical score from the film is from none other than the police drummer Stuart Copeland. So the film starts with hundreds of leaking toxic waste barrels being dumped into the ocean. And here we see Maxwell Potterdam, that's John Getz, overseeing the dumping, as he's the mastermind of this operation and he owns a paint thinner factory. Getz is also one of my childhood favorites, uh, movie wise, in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. <laughs> The city councilman of the town where Potterdam is dumping uh, his waste is named Jack Berger, played by Daryl Lawson. So Berger was bribed uh, to allow the dumping to occur on his watch, and now he's horrified to learn that the barrels are leaking into the ocean. He decides to back out of the deal now that he's running for mayor of Las Playas. And as you can guess, this won't end well for him. Berger also tapes his conversation with Potterdam. So James, that's Estevez, wakes up with a girl on the beach and has to leave uh, in order to go to work, which is as a garbage man, and his friend and co-worker Carl, that's Sheen, uh, is at home looking for potential targets to shoot with his high-powered BB gun. (laughs) They're like grown men who who act like children still, and, and that's kind of probably what the draw of this movie was when I was, you know, 13. Carl's also a peeping Tom at the building across the street, which leads to some humorous scenes. One of his favorite uh, peeps is Susan Wilkins, that's Leslie Hope, who he hasn't met yet, but more on that later. So it's time for work, and Carl and James have a not-so-friendly rivalry with two of their other co-workers. This leads to constant pranks between the guys throughout the movie. Carl and James draw first blood by backing into Frost and in Luzinski's truck. Then as James grabs his gloves, their airbags deploy, and the games begin. As it turns out, Susan works for Jack Berger's mayoral campaign. Berger is a nervous wreck as he decides to take his confession tape to Potterdam to the police. Unfortunately for him, he gives the police the wrong tape, and now Susan has the confession tape unbeknownst to her. On top of that, the police are on the take from Potterdam. We go back to Carl and James. Uh, I wouldn't call them the most dedicated workers as they, they kind of just often toss cans back wherever they decide at the particular moment. But keep in mind, these were the days when garbage men actually had to get out of the truck to dump trash. Today, everything is a mechanical arm and the driver almost never gets out of the truck. In any case, they are harassed by the local police who are on bicycles.
2: I tell you, Carl... This is the last year we throw trash. You said that last year. Yeah, but this year I mean it. You meant it last year. Hey, Carl, is this yours? Nah, it ain't my color. It's a bra, James. Look at this smut. Well, if it isn't the South Bay's finest.
3: What happened, Mike? They take away your room rooms? You see, this is the kind of scum you're gonna have to get used to around here. Jeff's new to the force, so I'm uh, giving him the tour. He's also my new partner, so you're gonna be seeing a whole lot more of him. Wonderful. Yeah, you're gonna like it here, Jeff. The air's clean, the women are beautiful, and the shifts are short. You know, most of the folks here in Los Playas are hard-working, with a future in mind. With the exception of these two clowns, they're part of the don't-let-this-happen-to-you crowd. (laughs) A word of warning, my garbage-toting friends from your friendly neighborhood peace officer. I've got my eye on you both. If you're not breaking the law now, the smart money says that it's only a matter of time before you will and you can bet that last dollar that my ass is gonna be there to make the bust.
0: Golf club? Golf club. Basically, Carl and James work as garbage man to try to save enough cash to start their own surf shop.
2: What an absolutely gorgeous day. Warm sun, beautiful woman. And the air is just right for drinking. Did you just look at all the activity that's going on down here, Carl? It's close, man. I can see it. Right here, right on the Strand. Carl and James' surf shop. It's gold. It's gold, James. It's a gold mine. Just think of the garbage business as a way station on the road to Vana. Well, maybe now that you're a single man again, you'll be able to put a little more time and energy into hey, Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. Wait a minute, just a second. I have put a lot of energy into getting our surf shop together. And we'd be a lot further along if I didn't have to do the work, too. <laughs> Pardon me. Let's not forget that it was me who chose the bank that we went to to get our loan. Let's not forget that we didn't even get the loan. I mean, it's not like you researched it, James. You, you picked the name out of the Yellow Pages. What exactly are you. Good God. What exactly are you trying to say here, Carl? What I'm trying to say, James, is that sometimes you are completely hopeless. Really? Yes. Hey, Carl. Yeah. Um, what exactly did you mean by hopeless? I meant exactly what I said. I still don't understand. Well, let's examine the word. Hopeless. Less than hopeful. That's what you are. But am, I, am I majorly hopeless or partially hopeless? I would say majorly. Why do you ask? I'll try to change. No,
0: you won't. And then we get the next prank on Frost and Luzinski. you can gather the airbags and the lockers were filled with shit before they exploded. Now that's tough to top. So Berger goes to Susan's apartment to get the confession tape and is a bit rough with her. Carl, who is always looking for an excuse to use his pellet gun, shoots Berger in the ass. However, unbeknownst to them, two of Potterdam's goons strangle Berger while Susan stepped out. Berger's body is put into a barrel and falls out of the goon's trunk next to the garbage collection on the street. I think you can see where this one's headed.
2: What does gasoline? Jesus Christ! What are you doing? I hate shitheads who bully their women what are you gonna do shoot him what it's the principle james with, with a pellet gun i mean what are you gonna accomplish using that stupid thing it allows me to seriously aggravate a situation without actually changing the course of history it also stings like a bitch well i'm glad that's over carl what are you doing Everything's cool now. Mister, it's nothing personal.
0: Again, Carl and James are like two teenagers who never grew up. This is, again, why I loved the movie so much as a kid. So now we get to the best part of the movie going forward, and that is of Keith David, who plays Lewis. Lewis is the brother-in-law of Carl and James's boss, and man, oh man, is he intense. Keith David has one of the best voices in Hollywood and. Every, and from the second I saw him in this movie he was always one of my favorite character actors every scene he is in is comedy gold in this film he plays a Vietnam vet who is incredibly paranoid but he's also a major badass you're driving
1: too fast
2: so Lois, you're Walt's brother-in-law that's great he speaks highly of you what do you know about anything Walt's a nice guy his sister must be nice, too. Uh, I've never met her, though.
1: When I feel like talking
2: to you, I will look at you. Got gotcha. You write stuff about us? Sorry. Sorry.
1: This sucks. What did you say, son?
2: My name is James.
1: Well, James. If you expect to keep this job, I suggest you tell me what it was you were mumbling over there.
2: Change. I said this sucks. And basically so do you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Are you little Come here? Come oh, I'm gonna sell you to talk like that, this, hey, hey,
2: <laughs> this Lewis guy is a total nightmare. He's not playing around. Let me tell you, James. Yeah, I feel really bad about that, Carl. Probably not as bad as I do. I promise.
1: How's that nose? It's okay. I still owe one to the intended receiver.
2: You know, man, you were a total pain in the ass. Now, James, Lewis is going to be with us for the next couple of weeks. Accept this as fact. I want you to shake hands and stop behaving like children.
1: There There are several sacred things in this world that you don't ever mess with. One of them happens to be another man's fries. Now you remember that, and you'll live a long and healthy life.
0: I've often used that line when uh, eating French fries throughout the years. Never touch another man's fries. Well, it's time to get back to work, and of course, the guys stumble upon Burger's body.
1: Oh, look at here. Looks like somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy. And he sure looks a hell of a lot like that, dude.
2: We're screwed. What do you mean, we? You pulled the trigger, pal. Look, Lewis, we gotta talk. See, Lewis, Carl sort of knows this guy. So? I don't know him at all. Well, he, what I'm trying to say is he, is, is he shot him with a pellet gun. But he thought he hit him in the butt. I did hit him in the butt.
1: You two seem to be in some serious shit here.
2: I need a drink. Look, Lewis, I know that I did not kill this man. You see, last night, this guy here was beating on his old lady. So I took it upon myself to end the dispute.
1: So you shot him?
2: With a pellet gun.
1: So you said. Now, you settled him from where? From my apartment. So how in the hell did he end up here?
2: Why don't you ask him? Have some. It'll settle your nerves. My, my, my nerves don't need settling. This is this uh, the maximum sentence for murder? I did not murder anyone. Jesus Christ, James, whose side are you on? I am not taking sides. Yes, Carl. you are. You've already convicted me. As far as you're concerned, I'm on my way to death row. Now, Carl, come on. Well, let me tell you something, pal. You are in it as much as I am. You were there. That makes you an accomplice you little bastard i never wanted you to do it in the first place i was totally against it try explaining that to the judge i am not gonna have to explain anything to any judge this is your ball game carl you are an asshole and you are a trigger happy idiot well i am not gonna rot in prison alone well you're not gonna mess up my life you son of a bitch hey, hey. what are you doing? Oh, you and your stupid pellet gun! Oh, oh. Get off you're of me! You're, me. A, you're a stupid man! You're a stupid little man! I said enough! I said cut it off!
1: Hey, yo! I said knock it off!
0: And then the two bicycle cops show up.
3: Well, well. Another fine day in the dumps, eh, fellas? Who are your friends? I've never seen you around here before.
2: Uh, Lewis here, uh, works yeah. for the company and he'll be riding with us for the next couple of weeks to police our activities, so to speak.
3: Is that right? Yes, sir, officer, sir. What about you? He's, uh... I didn't ask you, garbage man. Masking the punk who looks like he's had a few too many. What the hell's the matter with him? He looks friggin dead. Well, the boy's had a
2: rough night. He's a, uh, you know, uh, a cousin, of James. Uh, he, he flew in
3: from uh, Texas. We were out late showing him a good time. Well wherever the hell he's from, he shouldn't be out on the street in his condition. I could haul you in, you know. But for now I'm just going to give you a warning. That's very kind of you, officer. Yeah, it is. Now, get him inside the cab of that truck and make sure he stays there until he sobers up. Do I make myself clear? Crystal, sir! Let's go. Not so fast. I've got the whole Las Playa's police department clued into you two bozos. You may have escaped me this time. And all I can say is, relish this moment, gentlemen.
2: This is wrong. This is just wrong, wrong, wrong. We just should have just just, just, just told them. Told them what? That we found a body in the trash? Just just happened to be Jack Berger, the same man that I shot with a pellet gun? Are you nuts?
0: Those guys are looking for any excuse to put us away. Because Carl and James think Susan has something to do with Berger's murder, they decide to investigate her to find some clues. So I couldn't find the clip, but Keith David has another hilarious line when he comes into the locker room and says, that Stiff's starting to get a little gamey. (laughs) I love Keith David. So Frost and Luzinski try to get Carl and James back by putting airbags full of shit in their lockers, but the prank backfires when the airbags don't ignite. Of course, they go to find out what happens, and then the airbags deploy on them. So, Carl decides to go over to Susan's apartment to investigate and scams his way inside her apartment and claims he's a phrenologist. <laughs> yes, measuring the bumps on people's heads to discover their mental traits. In the meantime, a pizza man shows up who is played by Dean Cameron, who you might remember as the character Chainsaw from a very funny comedy from the 80s called Summer School with Mark Harmon. Lewis thinks a pizza man might spill the beans on the dead body in the house, which also happens to have a Richard Nixon mask on him, and decides to take the pizza dude hostage, leading to yet another hilarious scene.
2: Jesus. Carl spends the evening with a beautiful woman, and I'm stuck here with a lunatic and a corpse.
1: I don't believe this guy. Who is it?
2: Pedro's pizza and pancakes. Yeah. Okay. Large pepperoni, extra cheese.
1: Yes, indeed, that's us. How much? Eight bucks. How much?
3: Eight bucks. Okay. One, two, three, four. Come on. What's
2: going on here?
1: Mind your own business, son. Okay. Thank you, sir seen too much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Thomas, what the hell
1: are you doing? He saw you with the body. He can start all kinds of trouble. So you kidnapped <laughs> him? Good
2: solution. Here, take the money. I won't say anything to anybody.
1: You bet you won't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I...
0: Extra cheese?
2: You're a madman! He was provoking me. This situation has definitely gotten way out of hand.
1: Get back to that window and keep Carl covered. But
2: well, what the hell do we do with him?
0: We need some rope. <laughs> this also leads to another Keith David gem with that I used to quote with my friends often when discussing the movie. Lewis starts to have Vietnam flashbacks and goes on a rant in which he declares, The commie bastard gets no food! If I
1: had my 16 her off so easily Hello,
2: this there. is good did you make
4: it
2: are you hungry would you like some don't give him any james why not he might be hungry
1: he's a prisoner he should be treated accordingly.
2: Have you completely lost your mind? We're not soldiers and he's not the enemy. He's a pizza man. Back in Fubai, he would
1: have been killed the second he knocked on that door. I would have snapped his neck like a twig. And he never would have seen it coming either. lewis lewis calm down. The commie bastard gets no
0: food! Now the movie sort of turns into a cat and mouse game between Potterdam's goons, Frost and Lewczynski trying to pull more pranks to get even, Carl and Susan on a date while Lewis, James, and the pizza man, and Tricky Dick try to follow them. Until at least the cops pull them over, which leads to another amazing Keith David scene. How do we handle this? Just pull over. Okay, everybody, act natural.
3: Well, well. Look who we got here.
2: I am in no mood for this right now, Mike. Just write up the ticket so we
3: can all get on with our lives. Well, I might not be able to let you off so easy there, Jimbo. See, you were doing 65 into 35, and you ran a red light. That's reckless driving, as far as I'm concerned. Who else you got in there with you, Jimbo? Huh? Um. uh... uh... What the hell is going on in here? You're, uh...
2: You're never gonna believe this, Mike. I... W- <coughs> we, uh... <laughs> I'm totally flattering I came to come up with a good lie.
3: <laughs> what I tell you, James? I knew you were crooked. And I knew I'd catch up to you sooner or later. All right, everybody out of the vehicle right now. Don't do it! God, 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 don't shoot! You gotta God, go. Don't shoot! You gotta go. God, don't shoot! Please don't shoot! Yeah, cop.
1: I know you, man. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, we got us another crazy nigga here with a gun. Well, let me tell you something. Human life means very little to me at this point in time. You see, I thrive on misery. In the jungle, misery's all you got. But things are different back here in the world. Also, they seem... Nobody wants to talk about pain and suffering. Everybody wants everything to be nice and civil. Well, okay, then. Let's be nice. Let's be civil. And let's drop those guns before I pull this trigger and change the way you feel about me. Will the officer to the rear of the truck kindly drop his revolver as well? (laughs) You know, you cops must really think I'm as dumb as you look. Now, don't you know that when a flashlight hits the cement, it makes a completely different sound than a revolver? Let's be good boys and do exactly as I say. Okay, now, I want Mr. Sneaky Man to come around and join his partner, Mr. Bonehead.
2: Sorry,
3: guys. (laughs) You will swing for this, James. I shit you now!
1: i don't know boys but they look pretty goddamn sweet to me (laughs) what do you think
0: So what Lewis ends up doing is stripping the guys down to their underwear and tying them up on top of each other on a little kid carousel. This leads to various funny scenes like dogs peeing on them and whatnot. The rest of the movie is you know, your typical 80s comedy that has elements of action and everything ends up getting tied up nicely by the end of the fun, you know, finale. You know, the guys basically save the world sort of thing in their own way. This is the kind of the movie that will never win any awards, but were incredibly fun and were awesome to show with a group of friends back in the day. And sadly, these movies, mostly B-movies, are no longer made, not even on Netflix. And and that's what this podcast is for, to unearth forgotten gems for everyone to discover or rediscover. Some fun facts about Men at Work. The film was originally conceived by Estevez back in 1985 and was to be called Queer Intent and star Judd Nelson. John Hughes was also supposed to be part of the film in the early conception. Charlie Sheen was never intended to be part of the film, but once Sheen read the script, he wanted in. Sheen also wanted to do another comedy at this point in his career. Estevez actually edited Men at Work while shooting Young Guns too. Charlie Sheen pulled a prank on Emilio by saying that he had punched a paparazzo in a restaurant on the night before filming. Sheen took it further by having an on-set police officer uh, who was working security arrest him for assault while he was filming a scene. Estevez was stunned until Sheen returned laughing. All right, we got a great guest. It's a returning guest. It's Stephen Michael from the Grown Up Rock podcast. He specifically mentioned this, this movie, so... We had to do it. It's a great conversation. We have a lot of fun, just like this movie. So again, I will be back next week, and we'll talk about another terrific movie out of my DVD collection. Okay, we have a returning guest, a
4: very special guest. But we got Stephen Michael back from the Grown Up Rock podcast. Welcome back, Stephen.
5: What's going on, Bron?
4: Well, it's great to have you back, and this is the first time you've been on where we specifically talk about movies.
5: Yay. <laughs>
4: and <laughs> what not, better movie than Men at Work?
5: <laughs> and I bought this up to you at Rockin' Pod just because Men at Work, it wasn't a huge movie at the time, although looking over some of the uh, uh, grosses, it did, it, it did actually do all right. And I'll let you talk about that. But uh, for me and my friends, there were a lot of one-liner quotes in this that we uh, still quote to this day.
4: Oh, yeah. I, I don't know about you. I never saw it in the theater. I did. I saw it on home video, and I think a lot of people did. So I mm. think it really kind of had a second life on cable and, and home video. When did you first see it?
5: You know, that's a great question. And truthfully, I don't remember whether I saw it in the theater or at home. Uh, I just can't remember. But I know I saw it relatively close to the time it came out. So it might have actually been in the theater that I saw this flick.
4: Okay. Yeah, I know for me, it was like I once I saw it, I think my mom rented it uh, because she was always cool about renting different things. And every week we'd have a different movie. And I just love this. And I think I made her she got sick of this movie because I made her rent it all the time. And so were you a big fan of, you know, the Brat Pack before getting into this movie?
5: Yeah, I think I, I would consider myself a fan of that uh, genre just because of the John Hughes movies and things like that. So St. Elmo's Fire and uh, Breakfast Club for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, these were these were definite staples in my uh, grown up rock years.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And actually, this is truly an Emilio Estevez movie. He directed it. He wrote it. And I even think he he had a little bit of a producer uh, claim on this, too. So, yeah, this is this is all Emilio. Good or bad, it's all him.
5: Yeah, I think this was really one of his, uh, you know, forays into directing and and doing things such as
4: that. And I, I getting Charlie Sheen, of course, they're brothers, but I guess Charlie really wanted to be in this because I think Emilio was looking at other actors getting in uh, before, you know, casting uh, this movie.
5: Yeah, I had read that he was actually uh, considering other guys from the Brat Pack uh, mm-hmm. to do this movie. So I don't think that. Um, Uh, Charlie was even in the picture early on
4: right I believe it was Judd Nelson they were considering if if I'm not incorrect but I'd have to go back and double check but I don't know about you to me the person that holds this movie together, and is by far the highlight, is Keith David, who plays Lewis. Absolutely, 100%
5: the most valuable player in this movie, and we're 100% on the same page with that. I watched this movie twice, like, in the last couple weeks, and I was like, man, this dude makes the flick.
4: Oh, the one-liners, I mean, between him, like, losing it on the pizza guy, and (laughs) uh, never touch another man's fries, and just, oh, it's so good.
5: Yeah, gra- grab, I'll grab, uh, you, you grab Pizza Kong and I'll grab Tricky Dick. That's
4: right. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie, it's the, there's a dead body and then they put a Richard Nixon mask on the guy, so, which is kind of the trope throughout the movie. But yeah, you just, he, he's ready to lose it at any moment because he's an ex-Vietnam vet. And he's got the best speaking voice. Like he, ha- I mean, he's got a legendary voice. He does voiceovers and everything, so he's he, he's amazing. I'm pretty sure this is the first movie I saw him in.
5: He's done so many movies. Yeah. You know, I can't. I, I didn't look at his uh, his catalog of movies that he's been in, but uh, he's just been in a ton of stuff. And I don't know if this is the first movie that I remember him from or not, but. Uh, I'd have to look at that list of stuff, but if you see him, you definitely would recognize him.
4: Oh yeah, I think his other well, he was in the remake of The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. So he, I think that was his first major role. Uh, he was also in Platoon with Charlie Sheen. So that that uh, that of course, definitely different movie than this. But the other famous role, they, yeah, was he? They, uh, they live. They
5: they live. That's what
4: it was. That yeah. that movie is awesome with Roddy Roddy Piper. That's right, another John Carpenter movie. Yep, and then I think another memorable um, kind of a supporting role he had was as Mary's dad in There's Something About Mary.
5: Oh, that's right. Uh, but They Live, I'm I'm guessing They Live was before Men at Work in 1990. When did They oh, yeah. Live come
4: out? They Live came out, I believe, in '88.
5: All right, so I would have definitely known him from that uh, before Men at Work because They Live was a huge movie I watched a, quite a bit.
4: Okay. Yeah. But, and, and also, and in, in there's something, he's great in that because that, that's really an underrated cult classic. Um, but there's something about Mary man, his, his lines, like, you know, when Ben Stewart comes to the door, and he's yeah. like, what, what are you doing here? She's off with Wookiee. You know, he's, like, oh, yeah. I'm just fucking with you.
5: <laughs> yeah. That's right. I forgot, I forgot all about the fact that he was in that movie.
4: How'd you get the beans over the Frank, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, beans and Franks, That's beans right. and Franks. Oh my God, that movie.
4: So when you when you first saw this, was this like, you know, a hit out the gate for you? Or was it like, ah, it's okay. And then once you revisited and saw it again and again, you're like, okay, I really, I really dig this movie.
5: No, you know, this movie from the get-go, what it was, was a movie that I went into with really low expectations. And it just it ended up having a bunch of one liners that just seemed to get quoted time and time again by the group of friends that I hung out with. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, you know, it gained its own momentum from using those one liners all the time, you know, stuff like golf clap and just. All this stuff, you guys look pretty goddamn sweet together.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we should also get into the, the pranks they pull uh, on the other two guys. They're competitive uh, garbage men. Uh, yeah. Those are those are really creative, too.
5: Yeah, for sure. The shit bomb. The
4: ship bomb. And then every time they think they're going to get Charlie Sheen and Emilio back, and then it just backfires on them. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about you. So these are these are the types of movies that kind of the 80s were great at, the, the early 90s, where really there's the plot's kind of secondary. I know it's supposed to be about, you know, uh, environmental hazards and things like that. But it's to me, it's just a kind of an excuse to to keep the movie going in in spite of all, you know, you want to see hear all the jokes that are going on.
5: Yeah, I have a lot of friends that they view movies with really critical eyes. And I've never been an individual that watches movies in that fashion. Mm-hmm. I watch a movie and I'm either entertained or I'm not. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't, I just don't think about it. I go to a movie to escape, you know, overthinking stuff. So, uh, if there's holes in the plot or whatever, unless I'm really looking for it, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, uh, think about it that much, but like, like when I watch this, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in this movie where you could go really, yeah. you know, just <laughs> just all kinds of stuff like I, at that point uh Keith David being a uh Vietnam vet. I don't mm-hmm. think that he was probably old enough in that <laughs> to actually be a Vietnam vet. So that was kind of funny, you know, and just different things like that, but uh I, I enjoyed it nonetheless.
4: No, you bring up a good point, but you go with it because he's so convincing. You're like, oh, yeah, but sure. I guess he would be back in. Or, you know, when someone comes up with a fernologist or, or something yeah. like that. Definitely the first time I heard that.
5: Oh, that was for sure the first time. And that's something that gets used quite often. to to, uh, uh, what is it, uh, interpret the size of Walt's asshole.
4: That's right. And Walt's <laughs> their boss. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, then, you know, this. Uh, they have Leslie Hope, who plays um, Susan, who's kind of like, she's got to be the lump, love interest in there. But she's really underused in this movie. It's pretty much a guy movie.
5: Yeah, she reminds me a lot of, um, in this movie, she reminds me a lot of the chick that was uh, Mike Myers' love interest in So I Married uh, Axe Murderer. Oh, yeah. I can't uh, remember yeah right now but she reminds me a lot of that and really the only other thing i know her from uh is 24 when she was jack bowers uh love interest in 24
4: right and she of course gets go. everyone that jack loves gets killed so that's that's a great that's that was a brilliant show back in the day i love that show uh so yeah other things in, in this movie the villains uh how do you feel about them and what about the the side actors you of course remember the pizza man from uh he yeah, as Chainsaw in Summer School, I'm sure.
5: Yeah, that's right. Uh, he was, and that's exactly what I know him from. He's done a bunch of other little bits here and there, but that was what I remember him from most. And I love Summer School. Summer School was another one of those movies at that time that just, you know, I just enjoyed it. It was funny. Mm-hmm. But the two, the two. Uh, gangster guys. I like the fact that there were just kind of two idiots that were always arguing back and forth. I don't really remember those two guys from anything else, but no. that, that made me laugh because, uh, they were just, you know, arguing back and forth. And then when the one guy tases the other guy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's pretty humorous. And, the, and the overall villain in this, he's been, you know, a villain and other things before he's kind of a character actor, that guy.
4: Exactly. And along the same lines, the two police officers are kind of like dumb and dumber as well.
5: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So So there's a lot of good like um, uh, overall, it's probably, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a great movie, but there's so many segments that for me, it makes it worthwhile to me. I definitely think it's better than what, like, I think Rotten Tomatoes is is rating it at a 28 and I would. I would definitely, from from a personal level, I would definitely go higher than that.
4: Well, especially as you said, this is a movie where, especially with comedies, you really don't have to overthink, like with, with plot. If it is entertaining, as you said, that's all that matters. And to me, it's it's still entertaining, and I appreciate these movies that really aren't made anymore. You know, if it's a drama or if it's a suspense movie, fine, you can get into the plot all you want. But for this type of movie, I, I don't see, <laughs> you can't be entertained by this.
5: Yeah i mean they're they're too busy uh remaking movies right <laughs> you, exactly. you know versus just coming up with just uh you know a don't overthink it type thing i mean it's not like this plot is entirely uh too complex to create on your own <laughs> you no. know
4: no, and if they were to remake it today, well, now Garbage Man don't even get out of the truck anymore, so they <laughs> use the whole plot point there.
5: Yeah, my wife and I were laughing about that. We're like, yeah, you don't see that anymore.
4: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's funny how, how times have changed. Uh, just There are there are little things in in this movie um, where it's just totally different now. But it is fun to kind of see you know them as beach bums. And uh, they're working pretty much to, to – they kind of touch upon it. I guess they want to open up a surf shop or something like that.
5: Yeah, that's right. They do say that in there. And uh, I have to be honest, you know, when you go through the daily grind and you're in corporate America, um, sometimes when you see stuff like this, it kind of makes you think, wow, you know, I I wouldn't mind doing that. I know it's a garbage man, but it looks kind of fun.
4: No, it actually they get paid pretty well considering and uh, get great benefits. And uh, yeah, I mean, you get if you do it early in the morning, get the rest of your day.
5: Yeah, and nowadays they just have a machine. You push a button and it grabs the container and dumps it for you.
4: That's right. And if, if uh, college isn't in the cards for you, this is not a bad uh, failsafe. Mm-hmm. And who knows, you might end up uh, finding a dead politician. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, uh, Stephen, thank you so much for being on. And uh, I hope to have you back and, and we'll talk about another classic.
5: Absolutely, Brian. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having
4: me. Thank you, Stephen.
0: Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original, Vieira Vault.
3: On
4: Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Speaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>